Hey guys, welcome back. This is part two of my two-part training. Um, and I'm really excited about this particular portion of the training because I love talking about biblical strategies. This is what I enjoy talking about and reading about and learning about. So if I sound a little bit excited, that's because I am. Um, and so this, um, this next portion, I'm gonna give you guys actual examples of how I read the word of God and how I apply it to my business. So the first strategy, that I want to talk about is aim small, think big. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Amber Combie and Fitch, uh, especially if you live in the United States. And if you guys were a teenager or a college student at one point and you uh, went to the malls, I don't know if people go to the malls nowadays, but um, back then the malls were it for the young, young, young people, youngins, whatever you call them nowadays. Um, in 2006, the CEO of the clothing chain, Abercrombie & Fitch, actually told the world and was very proud that his company did not want anyone but the cool and popular kids shopping in his stores. And he told a reporter that in every school, there are the cool and popular kids and then there are the not so cool kids. And candidly, this is verbatim, he said, we go after the cool kids. So if you're not cool, um, don't shop here. Um, they go after the attractive all-American kid with a great attitude and a lot of friends. And I'm sure if you guys ever been to those stores, you see all the models, right? And um, I think the people that they hire have to look a certain way as well. I know because I had a friend that worked there. and. Um, this is back in Hawaii, of course, and um, even the models that you see in the pictures all have, you know, nice, you know, thin abs and they all look gorgeous and so forth. So if you guys can imagine, if you haven't been to one, um, that's how the feeling, the environment of the actual store. And um, he, he also said that a lot of people don't belong in our clothes and they can't belong. And he really takes pride in that. Uh, the question was, so you're saying you're not all inclusive, you're exclusive? And he said, absolutely, absolutely. Now, although Al Abercrombie and Fitch is now struggling financially, um, the CEO seemed very quite proud of his company's focused targeting strategy. Um, he communicated that his company does not care about anyone other than his target group and his target group was the young cool people now yes the systems of the world says be targeted in your approach be strategic in your targeting it's a myopic vision though and i say that because when you're only focusing on your target market um you can lose a lot of opportunity as well um, Jesus considered every person as a potential beneficiary of what he was offering, not just his target group of Jewish outcasts. Now remember, while he focused on serving Jewish outcasts during his three-year public ministry, his vision extended far beyond that. In fact, he instructed his disciples to carry his message to the ends of the earth. And yes, Jesus had a clear target group. He never refused to serve those outside his target group. So I want to emphasize this, and this is really key if you truly want to grow your business. T 
targeting isn't about excluding. I'll say it again: targeting is not about excluding. As people outside Jesus' target group requested things from him, he never refused to serve them. He offered something for everybody, from the lowest to the highest rungs of society. He did not discriminate against people of any socioeconomic status, age, or ethnicity. Although he was focused regarding how he spent his limited time with people, his vision was too massive to discriminate against anybody. Now remember that he praised his team to and encouraged them to, and when I say his teams, I talk about his disciples to plant and fertilize the seeds of this message throughout the entire world. He instructed them. He said, "You will be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth." Jesus strategically、um, began his movement in Jerusalem, the place where he was most ready for. And they were the very first people to learn about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Jesus, Jerusalem was to be the epic center of this、um, worldwide expansion of God's kingdom, the place where Jesus was crucified and resurrected. But a, clearly, a mission of this magnitude could not、um, could also not could not but could only be carried. Out through having a strong presence of Jesus followers within every nation, ethnicity, group, and a subgroup or the planet. Considering one out of every three people in the world identifies as a Christian, his strategy still seems to be working. So, I, I, I let me for those of you guys who didn't follow. Basically, yes, he did have a specific group, but the mission, what he had to offer, was so important and so valuable to everybody that he didn't want to exclude people. So, an example of this was I remember with me when I was、um, I'm, I'm in the middle of creating a, a course, you know, a, 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 a group coaching course. Well, it's not a group coaching; it's a hybrid between a workshop. A course, coaching, and、um, and also some live training, and、um, so I'm doing that. And my our our teacher basically said that, or not a teacher, I guess our coach, strategist person. I'm like, well, what do you call this person? I have multiple. They were saying, Edna, I really think you should focus on Christians, and I really had a hard time with that because. What I have to offer isn't just for Christian people. Yes, the foundation of it is biblical principles, but a lot of my strategies—not my strategies, but his strategies—works for anybody who uses it because he created the world. He created the laws of the universe. He was only created gravity. He created basically, basically, science confirms his laws. And so you cannot go against his ways. So if you go against his ways, you're not going to get the results you want. Now, if you follow his ways, you're going to get the results, whether you believe him or not. I hope that's making sense. And so I say all of this. A lot of times, you as entrepreneurs and sales professionals may be focusing only on people. For example, you may be focusing on only on the wealthy people. The affluent people, those who could afford you, right? And what you're doing is you're missing out on a market that needs what you have that you could offer to them because you're so focused on the money.、Um, I'm going to elaborate a little bit 
um, to this. There's a story about uh, this gentleman named Frank Labach. Um, he was a missionary to the Philippines in mid-1900s, and he ministered to the Moros people. Now, I am Filipino, and I don't know if I'm totally butchering this word, but he had to face a decision of whether to include all of humanity in his vision for his work. So he was really kind of stressed out about it. So he cried out in prayer. He said, what can I do for hateful people like these murderers, thieves, dirty, filthy, fatal nut chewers, our enemies? Um, he writes, my lips began to move and it seemed to me that God was speaking. And he said, my child, my lips said, you have failed because you do not really love these morals. Now, he was also saying that what God told him is that you feel superior to them because you are white. If you can forget you are an American and think only how I love them, they will respond. So after uh, this gentleman, Frank, enlarged his vision and his heart to bless people who were outside his comfort zone, Labak became a pioneer in literacy and his plan with his plan called Each One Teach One. And his prayer was that everyone who learns to read would teach one more person how to read. Now, he set up his literacy program in more than 100 countries, 313 languages, and was responsible for teaching people over, um, in fact, over 60 million people to read. He became known as the apostle to the illiterate. This happened because he overcame his own prejudices and embraced a vision that was far more um, bigger than what he originally had. He, it was for the benefit of all of humanity, not just for a specific group. So again, I want to say targeting is not excluding. If the entire world is not eligible to benefit in some way from what you're offering, your vision is too small. So as an entrepreneur, now if you're a self-professional, you cannot really choose you know, your products and services. But for those of you guys who have products and services and you have a vision, is it too small-minded? Or do you have a big vision, right? Do you, can you truly help humanity? Is there any person or anyone who cannot benefit? Or is there anyone or any type of person who cannot, um, who, who's, who's basically negatively affected by your core message and vision? So if that's the case, you might have to tweak it. You might have to go back, you know, to the, to your, to the, um, writing board, my brain is going back um, to your brainstorming session and start thinking about what can I do to tweak, you know, my approach so that I am not so specific. And again, this is going against the world's way, right? World, the world is telling you pick one and knowing what fish you want and, um, and stick to that. I'm saying yes, understand that you, you you tailor your messaging, you tailor your um, programs to that individual, but also be open to being flexible and serving those who may not be in your target, um, target market because the value you have to offer, I guarantee, is not just for that specific group, right? It could apply to the masses, it's just a matter of understanding how to approach those individuals or how to service them in a way that they can receive it um, from you. My, my challenge to you is to really think about your vision. Is it big enough 
to reach more people um, than your target market. Now, the second strategy I wanna talk about is to keep your core message simple. Now, remember that on average, people are inundated with approximately 4,700 marketing messages each day. This is especially true in the United States, which has only 6% of the world's population, yet consumes 56% of the world's advertising. So with this amount of noise, today's marketers must be clear or be ignored. Saying many words usually communicates nothing. Consider that many of the most memorable writings and speeches in history were also some of the shortest. So think about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer only contains about 56 words. Gettysburg Address has 266 words. Ten Commandments has 297 words. And the Declaration of Independence is 300 words. To keep it memorable, keep it simple. As Confucius says, keep it simple and focus on what matters. Don't let yourself be overwhelmed. Now, while his message was mysterious and profound to everyone who heard it, Jesus kept his core message clear. His message was this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This was the good news, the gospel. Jesus' message was not about rules or complex, highbrow philosophy, right? His message was not advice, it was news, clear and concise. Jesus' core message was to inform people that they had been set free from living hopeless and pointless lives. Through a relationship with their creator, they were now free to experience the inner peace for which they had longed for. All they had to do was accept what he offered. Although easier said than done, it was simple, right? Further, Jesus communicated his simple message in a brief and very concise way. Leonard Sweet, he writes, Jesus was the master of the one minute message. Think about it. In poetic form, he could have delivered the Sermon on the Mount in less than a minute. The Lord's Prayer can be recited in Hebrew in less than a minute. And every parable he said takes only a minute to tell. Undoubtedly, Jesus could have held a captive audience for as long as anybody, yet he chose to keep his message brief and to the point. Now, can you explain your core message to someone in one sentence? If you were building a house, that single sentence would be like the foundation of your house upon which everything else is built. It has to be solid. Most people and organizations are trying to be jack of all trades, masters of none, building all over the place but never finishing anything. When it comes to your foundation, you do not want to be a generalist. When people do not know what you're about, they will quickly give up trying to figure you out and will draw their own incorrect conclusions. Now, a lot of us don't want that, right? So this whole jack of all trades, master of none approach, that is trying to be great as everything for fear of limiting ourselves and missing opportunities does not work in marketing today. You have a variety of interests and talents which you could explore, yes. And I understand that, especially when you're gifted and talented and have multiple passions and multiple things that you're really good at. A lot of us, because we're the child of God, we have a lot of strengths and whether you believe them or not, we have a lot of talents and gifts. And a lot of times we pigeonhole ourselves to just one thing, 
or we try to do everything and no one knows exactly what we do and I know because I've done that because I'm, I'm good at a lot of things. I mean, I was a personal trainer at one point, I was a financial advisor at one point, I was a project manager at one point. I did a lot of things really well, but it wasn't, I, I didn't pick one thing. Um, I did pick one thing, I'm sorry. I excelled in one thing, thank you Holy Spirit. I correct that. I did pick one thing. I got good at it. Then I picked another skill, got good at that, then picked another skill, then I got good at that. So yes, I'm good at a lot of things, but when I was practicing that particular skill, I picked one thing and excelled at that one thing, right? So I, I say all of this that it's okay for you to have a variety of interests and talents. However, you do need to give them one clear message about your business or your product or whatever it is that service that you're doing. Remember, people pursue those who know who they are, what they offer, and where they are going. People just need one good and clear reason to follow you. Give them one simple, clearly defined, and brief message to help them understand and remember you. Famous for getting pizza to their customers in 30 minutes or it's free, this Christian founder and former president of Domino's Pizza, Tom Monaghan, was asked to share his company's secret to success. His answer, a fanatical focus on doing one thing well, right? So to help people understand what you're offering, make your value proposition down to one or two sentences. One phrase is even better. So for me, for example, I can take your battle and turn it into a booming business. Or another thing I say is I help the good guys win. Right? It's very simple, but it 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 people can understand what exactly I do, and then you can just elaborate some more. Now, uh, I want you guys to think of one or two sentences max what is your core message well what is your core marketing message in other words what makes you and your organization one of a kind now i want you guys to think of that and brainstorm as much as you can and remember less is king so the third and final strategy i want to share with you guys that was found in the bible is to start with those who are hungry now many of you guys might not be familiar with the movie the passion of the christ but if you are um, I want you guys to know that Mel Gibson had a dilemma to face. He actually, at that time, prior to the launch of the movie, he went through a, a period where he had already spent $20 million of his own money to make the film. And his advertising was, budget was very limited. So to ensure that none of his promotion budget was wasted, he wanted to target his efforts as carefully as possible. Um, so instead of asking, how can I tell as many people about this movie as possible? And he reframed his question to, who would be most likely to want to see a movie about the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now, he came up with the notion that evangelical pastors would be the right group to target as they're always looking for ways to communicate the gospel in a profound way. Now, Bob Hutchins, who led the marketing campaign for the film, he mentioned that Mel Gibson actually began uh, inviting pastors to private screenings of the film, even before it was complete. Initially, he showed it to a fairly small group of pastors, between 10 and 12 at a time, and then a month prior to the release, he was showing it to 5,000 pastors at a time. Now, at Willow Creek, um, Bill Hybels asked him after moments of silence, all right, what do you need us to do? 
And what they did was they began urging the congregations to see it and even provided bus transportation. Um, one of the things that, uh, that they did was they pr provided um, contests and um, in the contest they would bring two tickets to a movie at a Christian event and the tickets were donated on a condition that the winner would bring someone to the movie who was not a Christian, which is exactly what that person did. Now, it's interesting because when you think about this, you have to somehow incentivize your, your people to want to bring more people to you. I'm saying your current clients or your friends to bring them to you. But what Jesus did was he realized that not many people are at the same level of hunger for what he had to provide. Jesus said in Mark 2, 17, it said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. He did not waste his time trying to make people dissatisfied without him. But a lot of times, a lot of the marketing tactics is they make you feel like, oh, you absolutely need them. They're trying to make you feel like without them, like you guys are a failure without them, your life is over kind of thing, you know, they, they, they basically uh, mess with your, um, with your senses, your emotions, um, and the psychology to it. And I don't have time to go over it, but instead what he did, what Jesus did is he focused his time on offering solutions to people who recognize their desperation for what he was offering. Yes. Jesus loved everybody, but he was focused concerning his overall marketing strategy. He, instead of pursuing those who he had to try hard to convince that need him, he pursued the outcasts, those who realized their need for him and his message. So he wasn't trying too hard, right? He knew who was receiving his message because you can tell guys, when you're talking to people, you could tell if someone's interested in what you're saying, right? You could tell if someone's just like uh, entertaining you or humoring you, like what my husband used to say. But um, you have to really have discernment and pay attention to the receiving end, right? Um, Leonard Sweets writes, it's clear from the gospel that Jesus' main audience was never the religious leaders. Right? You would think that Jesus would go after religious leaders because they're the religious ones. And a lot of times when you think of Jesus, everyone think of religion and religious. Um, but instead, Jesus wasn't trying to persuade or convert the Jewish establishment. Yeah, he did it a couple times like Nicodemus and probably Joseph of Arimathea came to Jesus. But what Jesus did was he was addressing the common people who gave him a hearing, those who were willing to hear and listen to what he was saying. Thus, he kept to the villages, stayed away from the large Galilean towns that Sephorus and Tiberias, um, which you would think, uh, a like you, you would think that from a common sense standpoint, he'd probably go to the bigger cities. Instead, what he did is he went after the smaller towns, right? Now, interestingly, the gospels don't mention these two cities. Um, and they were the largest cities in Galilee. When I went to um, Israel, uh, gosh, when is this, 2013, Galilee is a big area and there's a lot of different cities. And, um, 
and the areas where the tour took us was to the small little towns. I mean, you could probably go through the whole town and probably, I don't know, uh, 30 minutes, maybe less. Uh, you would think that for Jesus, knowing that his message is so important, he would go after like a New York, for example, or, or something like the big cities. Instead, I'm applying it to the United States, he would go to like the rural cities, the, the small towns. And, um, and and that's what he did. He did not waste time with people who did not recognize their need for what he was offering. When Jesus sent his disciples out to share his message, he even told them, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words, as you go out of the house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. That's according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. Now, this was not a pompous, some will, some won't, so what attitude toward those who rejected what he was offering. He loved them blessed them and called his followers to do the same but yet he simply did not want them wasting their time with those who were not hungry for what they had to offer he told his audience he who has ears to hear let him hear mark 4 9. in other words my message is for those hungry for my solution now approximately 10 percent of the people who hear your message will probably despise you and what you're offering and that's what he did with the religious folks. Um, and I deal, I deal with that a lot of times. So it's like, well, the Bible's not worth selling, you know? And um, I get frowned upon when I talk about business strategies in the church. But, and, 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 it's, and, and, it's, and it's normal. And I've accepted that before I used to feel rejected and feel sad, but then I realized it's just how it is. It's the mentality, right? Now, another 80% of the people you contact simply won't care about you and what you're offering. And it's okay. It's not a bad thing. If, if you guys have this mentality that not everybody is going to receive you, and that out of all the people you talk to, 80% are not going to care about what you're talking about, 10% is going to hate what you're talking about. But then the good news is the remaining 10% of the people who hear you will love what you're offering. So keep that in mind as you're going out there and talking to people. You know, these 10 percenters will be your raving fans. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for those people who are hungry for what you're saying, hungry for what you're offering, who values your gifting, right? Values the anointing on your life. Um, and they may even grow to love it more than you do. I can't tell you, you know, for a while it took a little brighter break. I'm still on a break in a bit before I start going full force again in 2022, um, because my parents have moved here to help me out with um, um, with the kids. So I'll have a, a, lot, a little bit more time to focus on what I love to do in business. And there are people who are like, hey, when are you gonna get back out there again? When are you gonna start coaching again? When are you gonna start training again? You know, when are you gonna do all these things? And it's like, they're more excited about it than I am sometimes and and that's what you want you want raving fans and mind you these are not all people who pay me or have paid me these are people on youtube or on social media um or people with friends that i meet or even oh clients right so all i'm saying is when you have that mentality with these numbers that okay focus on the 10 percenters those are really really hungry for you you'll see that that is exactly where you need to focus on at least 80% of your time and attention, right? 
you heard of the 80-20 the 80-20 rule i say 80-10 rule that is according to the word of god now as we end this particular part of the training i want you to think what type of person is hungriest for what you have to offer and those are the people that you need to pursue those are the people that you need to speak with and look out for and you need to have clarity on who those people are because a lot of us um especially when you first start you or even if you've been here for a long time you might not really know what those 10 percent are and and there's different strategies and different ways to be able to identify those um and and i'll be able to share that a little bit later but anyways i hope these three strategies um biblical strategies um were able to give you guys some clarity on how i take the word of god and apply it to my business and i really hope to hear from you guys in the near future i am like i said in the middle of uh, working on my uh, program a battle to booming program online program and i i put up once i finally complete it which probably won't be until end of january um i'll be reaching out to you guys to see if you're interested in learning more and if you would like to be part of the beta group um beta group um that it's going to be in february so two february february 2 2022 is my target date but with everything that's going on i might not be able to get it there but it will be launched february but if you guys are interested in hearing more please reply back via email shoot me a text if you know my number or contact me via my website and just say hey i'm interested about you i'm interested in your beta group um let me know when it's live and i'll make sure i add you guys to the mailing list all right god bless you guys I I know it's been a trying time for many of us, including me. I was dealing with postpartum and just a lot of things um, with um, challenges with physical health for my family members. And it's been a really challenging time. Um, and I know you guys, I know that I'm not the only one who've experienced this. And I just want to encourage you guys that God is so good and he will give you the strength that you need to just, just keep your head up keep focused. If I could pray for you about anything, don't hesitate to ask. Again, I really hope this was a blessing and I look forward to connecting here in the next year. All right. Bless you, my friends. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Estherpreneur. Make sure to visit our website, favorandwealth.com, for more information on our services. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help me out too. Also, check out my book, The Ugly Side of Sales, available on Amazon, where I share seven of my secrets on how to win and grow business the right way. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.